0: Thomas Keating wrote in his book, Invitation to Love, the way of pure faith is to preserve, persevere in contemplative practice without worrying about where we are on the journey. Without comparing ourselves with others or judging others' gifts as better than ours. We can be spared all this non I'll wait. How are we doing? All right. I think it's because I look down. We can be spared all this nonsense if we surrender ourselves to the divine action. Whatever the psychological content of our prayer may be, in pure faith, the results are often hidden even from those who are growing the most. The divine light of faith is totally available in the degree that we consent and surrender ourselves to its presence and action within. I came across this quote as I was wrapping up my sabbatical, and it describes the journey that I've been on for a while now. Um, today, I'm hoping to share with you um, just this journey of contemplative practices and how sabbatical um, showed up in it as well. But before I do that, um, I, I need to say, um, it's good to be back. Uh, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Joel. I'm the community pastor here. At least I think I still am a community pastor. <laughs> a lot of changes are happening I came back to three more staff members, which are a blessing and a gift. Um, and then so many new faces that I can't wait to get to, to know, a bunch of old faces, or I should maybe familiar faces, that um, that I wanna reconnect with. Um, but, you. thank you. Thank you for giving me um, three months of rest. Three months to be restored and to be refreshed. Um, I don't have words for what a gift um, this sabbatical was, but my hope is today to summarize kind of the things that I've learned, some of the things that God um, just brought to the surface. So let, let me start by, by saying this. We all have parts of ourselves that aren't necessarily our favorite parts. From our doubts and our fears, our guilt and our shame, things kind of bubble up from that, right? Uh, Those doubts, those fears, those shames expose themselves in different ways that we act, in different ways that we protect ourselves. Some people call that... um, the shadow self. My journey with God is marked with the shadow self. Things that I get hung up with, things that hinder my walk with God. I think all of us have that. I know all of us have that. If we sit and we contemplate what actually is going on underneath and why we act the way we do or why things happen that we don't really like about ourselves. So I have three, just three, that actually have been bubbling up a lot. I have more, but I'm gonna focus on three. One is I, I, I speed up and everything feels urgent. I get stuck in cycles where I am on the move. I want to get everything done fast. And then as I get done, I rush through everything else, and then I add more to it. So then things feel urgent. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to get this done. I need to get that done. I don't, yeah, I I don't, even know how how to explain it, because it pushes me that fast, right? As I'm teaching, as I'm, I'm preparing, as I'm talking to you, I feel an urgency already, just kind of like, how do I get this all out, right? So it's there, it's underlying, it pushes me. The second thing that has been my shadow self is this need for control. I have a vision of how I think things should be, how people should act, how I should be. I have a desire to make things happen, a desire to control the narrative of what people think of me or see of me or the situation. I got control issues. One of the other shadow self things that come up is this agenda I have with God how I want him to show up, how I expect him to show up. I want him to do A, B, C, D, and then throw in everything else for me. This shadow self is, isn't is new. It's not like it just crept up and it, all of a sudden in October, I was like, oh my gosh. I've been aware and battling these shadow selves for a long time. I wrestle with God, asking him, why am I like this? Asking him, why don't you change me? And one of the the different ways that I've wrestled with God over the years is is to put into practice rhythms and contemplative practices. Things that we've invited you as a ministry over the years to, to join in with us. Like daily centering prayer, getting up in the morning, spending time with God, spending time reading the Bible and soaping, like journaling, looking at scripture, observing it, applying it, praying through it. Invitations to silence and solitude, to get away. Those are the ways that I wrestle with God over the years. Those are the ways that I try and combat the shadow self. At times, I feel successful. I am able to push the shadow self away and keep it at bay. And then at times, it's a dumpster fire where everything's just going all at once, all of the things. And I can't control what other people see of me. Entering into sabbatical, I was fully aware of that shadow side rising up in me. And the shadow side started showing up in my life, daily life experiences. The family dynamics, the relationships with friends. I was short with people around me. I wasn't present in conversation. I wasn't present in the moment. My mind would be off racing somewhere else, needing to do something else, wanting something else. Like many of you, I was dealing with a lot of grief and loss, not only from the like two, three years of pandemic, but also death. My mom passed away in 2021 and I still was trying to figure out and grasp the magnitude of that. Upon, uh, on top of that, I had aunties and uncles passing away. It seemed like every other, every other week, every other month, somebody was dying or somebody was critically ill. The grief and the loss of what was and what was now was there, heavy. Then I had this frustration, this desire to to answer the life questions of what's next? What is my life about? Some of you might call that a midlife crisis, right? Instead of me wanting to buy a brand new sports car, I'm sitting there, man, what would it be like to buy an EV? Very Portland existential crisis, right? But I was wrestling with those type of things. I had this looming shadow over me I, as I entered in sabbatical. I was meeting with my spiritual director and he said this, he said, this might not be the sabbatical that you wanted but it's the sabbatical that you need. You have some hard work ahead of you. You have some hard work ahead of you. I was like, yay. I was like, I want to go on a cruise. I want to go to Europe. I want to go to the beach. That's the sabbatical, like a vacation, right? He was like, no, you got hard work in front of you. So, with his wise counsel and with other mentors and family members, we looked at what I needed to do during sabbatical, and there were three things that came up. Slow down. I needed to cut down on the things that were causing me to rush from social media to emails to my constant saying yes to everything. I needed to be present. I needed to be present with my mind, my body, my soul, family, and friends. I needed to be present in the moment. The third thing was I needed to release control and surrender. To release control and surrender my agendas, my need for answers and solutions. So with these three objectives, I I stepped into sabbatical. And what was interesting was before sabbatical, during sabbatical, even right after sabbatical, I got a couple different texts with the same verse, Psalms 23. Psalms 23 is the the verse that, you know, like in movies when they're going to go execute somebody, the priest reads Psalm 23 to them. So this is what I was sent. But I'm going to read to you message version of it so it doesn't sound as dire. God my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way Does Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my droopy, drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me. Every day of my life, I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. So at the beginning of my sabbatical, in the midst of my sabbatical, as I wrap up my sabbatical, I'm getting this reminder of Psalms 23. I started my sabbatical in November, and I went up to Black Lake uh, in Washington for four days. So I'm sitting at Black Lake, and that's beautiful, right? But I felt like I was going through withdrawals. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't concentrate. I could not sit still and concentrate For anywhere more than 10 minutes at a time. I would wake up, I would eat breakfast, I'd fall asleep. I'd wake up, go for a walk, come back, fall asleep. I'd wake up, eat lunch, fall asleep. I would wake up and fall asleep, and wake up and fall asleep. I was like, it was, the. I was in a fog for four days. Just going, this is what sabbatical is going to be like. Like, there's this beautiful view, and I can't even enjoy it. I can't sit still. So I keep walking, and it was not enjoyable. It wasn't fun. It wasn't relaxing. It got wet. It got cold. The cabin that I stayed in was musty. I couldn't wait for Lisa and the kids to come pick me up. But in that time, God did tell me something. I'm taking a walk, and this sign pops up. It says, slow down. Speed limit, 10 (laughs) miles per hour. Slow down. So the next week, well, thankfully, Lisa and the kids come pick me up. We go spend time together as a family. The next week, I head to Mount Angel Abbey. If you haven't been up to Mount Angel Abbey, go. You can just walk the grounds with the, the monks. I spent... The week at the monastery learning and practicing more about contemplative spirituality from teachers and mentors. And I just sat and I listened to the people that have gone ahead of me, that have practiced the the art of slowing down and listening. And I started this book, a book that I've been putting off for a while because I was too busy to read it. I don't think you can see it. It says, the book's called Three Mile an Hour God. Three Mile an Hour God is, it, it, the premise is this, the average person only walks three miles an hour. Jesus walked three miles an hour when he was doing his ministry. And the question is, are you living a life that is darting ahead of Jesus? Are you outpacing God the Father? Slow down. So then the holidays come. And you know how the holidays are, right? You you know about me, right? If you've been around at all, the holiday, I'm considered a Grinch. And every year when Thanksgiving and Christmas come, everyone's just like, oh, great, Joel, yay. Um, So going into the holidays, I really focused on slowing down, being present, giving up control. I stayed present with the family. I said yes to all the family holiday things. I let go of the control and I actually enjoyed the moment. Friends, it it was a Thanksgiving and a Christmas miracle. My family likes me. We spent time hanging lights, cutting trees down, playing games, hanging out. And then the extended family that we were with They didn't want to kill me, right? They started coining this phrase and called me sabbatical Joel. And I was like, so what was I before, right? And one of the cousins said, well, it was like you weren't with us. You were a little absent it was always like you were somewhere else, like you were ready to go home or go back to work. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's let's try and find sabbatical Joel um, a little bit more. Right. So, um, so we spent time with family. We had Lisa's mom's birthday. We went on a cruise, a Disney cruise, from San Diego to Cabo and back and ate like crazy and enjoyed our time together. Spent New Year's on the cruise. It was good. I was present. And so, We got off the cruise, and about two days later, I was off to Vietnam. And I think this is where the most discipline needed to happen, right? These spiritual disciplines. The two months leading up to that, that's sabbatical, Joel. Just enjoying, right? But it takes this. It took me to slow down, be present, giving up control, be prepared to go to Vietnam because in Vietnam there was a lot of uncontrolled my dad my mom my family so the first thing we did when I got there we we went up to the countryside where my dad's hometown is a little village and we visited my mother's my grandmother's gravesite and I met my grandmother's um, grave is in the middle of a rice paddy. And so we visited there, told stories. And then after that, we went to my mom's hometown. And this is the, for the, those of you that have been with me and journeying with me for the last year and a half, this was the moment, right? I lost my mom uh, in 2021, wasn't able to get there. Watched the funeral on a phone, FaceTiming. And so the grief and the pain uh, as I I came up to the gravesite, it was thick. Like physically, I felt it right here where it was just (sighs) my heart, my chest, my shoulders. And I had to be present in the moment because the normal way that I would avoid it would I just suck it up and just push through it. But what God was saying was, feel, Feel, slow down and be present with the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain, the mental anguish. And I I sat there and I just cried with God saying, why did it have to come out this way? Why was I able to be here? where my mom passed away? Why was not I able to be at the gravesite to watch them lower the casket down? Part of the healing process and the grieving process for me is learning to relinquish control. How I wanted this story to play out. The ending that I wanted. The story I wanted to write. The grief process is accepting what reality is. The grief process for us as as believers, as people of faith, is to trust God is good and to know that what he is doing is good. So I wrestled with God and I said, I have to believe that you are able to redeem the pain and the loss in this whole experience. I didn't sit at the gravesite for longer than 45 minutes there was another funeral happening at the same time, which honestly was a gift. Because as I sat there and, and just looked at my mom's gravestone, headstone, they were lowering another body into the grave and singing hymns. And it was a gift from God saying, here, this is what you would have experienced. So I left there, headed back to my dad's hometown, and we um, spent—I spent the rest of the time in Vietnam doing nothing. I had no agenda. I had no have-to's. I had no rushing around to do. I'd spend the morning with my dad, having incredible conversations. This picture—this would not happen two years ago, three years ago. The joy on my dad's face, the, the hugging, and the, it wouldn't happen. So I spent time with my dad. Had amazing conversations, and then lunch would roll around, and we'd finish lunch, and I'd head out. We'd split up, I'd, I'd head to the beach, or I'd take a walk. But for about a week, I plop myself down on this beach. I know, horrible place. Um, But I would plop myself down and I'd say, Here I am, God. I know you're here. And I'd sit. I would sit three to four hours. No agenda. I can't explain what happened. But for that week, I was able to slow down. I was able to be present. I was able to release control, not have an agenda. And God showed up. God had been doing something, prepping something in my soul to be able to sit. I say that, I I don't know what happened, but I actually do. Here's here's what came to me actually this morning. It's not that I it's not that I was uncomfortable spending time with God. It's not that I couldn't open the word and, and be in the word. It's not that I couldn't sit silently with God. I couldn't sit silently with myself. I could not be with myself. It was too loud, too obnoxious. It was too rushed. The shadow self would sneak in and take over. So what happened, honestly, Is that I realized that if I just acknowledge what's happening, that shadow self, and invite God to take control of that, that I could sit. I could sit for three to four hours. I could walk. So for the week, I walked in the rain. I walked in the sun. I sat on the beach. I went to different cities. But I was present. Friends, it, it, honestly, this it didn't happen just in the three months of sabbatical. Contemplative spirituality does not happen in a microwave. You can't make it happen in three months. This has been a journey for years, and God met me. The quote that we started with from Thomas Keating helps paint the bigger picture of what was happening the last few years. And in that quote, there's this word faith, and what I want to point out is that um, if that's hanging you up, Faith, just is this, faith is trusting in the one who fights for us. Trusting in the one who fights for us. So let me read this quote again. Thomas Keating wrote, The way of pure faith, trusting in the one who fights for us, is to persevere in contemplative practice without worry about where we are on the journey without worry of where we are on the journey, and without comparing ourselves with others or judging others' gifts as better than ours. I would add not comparing our shadow sides worse than others. We can be spared all this nonsense if we surrender ourselves to divine action Whatever the psychological content of our prayer may be, in pure trusting in the one who fights for us, the results are often hidden, even from those who are growing the most. And sometimes we don't even recognize that we're growing. We don't even recognize that God is at work. The divine light of faith is totally available in the degree that we consent and surrender ourselves to its presence and action within. Here's your reality. All of our lives and our lived experiences are different. We all have different shadow sides. We all have different struggles, different types of grief and suffering. We're all in different stages of life. Most of you can't take off three months. Most of you, some of you don't have the luxury of going on a cruise. Or sitting on a beach in Vietnam. Let me encourage you this. The sabbatical isn't the magic bullet. Going on a cruise, heading to the beach, that isn't what heals you. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I'm holier. It's not because I have access to God in a different way. It's what Thomas Kelly wrote. The divine light of faith is totally available in the degree that we consent and surrender ourselves to its presence and action within. Here's the thing. God desires a relationship and connection with you. He is present he is active. He is moving. Even if we're not aware of it. He longs to be with you. It's not like when I wake up in the morning and I I brew my coffee and spend time with the Lord. That's my daily practice. It's not like when I when I skip a day or I don't show up. Like God sitting there going, oh gosh, I'm so thankful that he didn't show up. I can't take another minute with that guy. But sometimes we act like that. Sometimes we don't think that we're enough or that we think we are too much and God can't handle us. Friends, the reality is we can't handle ourselves. And we need God to show up so that we can't. Sometimes we carve out these times to be with God. We go to silence and solitude retreats. Don't forget to sign up. We do our soaps. We spend time reading. And we feel like he's absent. Like he didn't show up. But is it maybe that we have an agenda? Is it maybe that we have expectations of how God should show up? Or what it looks like? You can be certain that God is there. He is present. In Psalms 139, if you read the whole Psalms, it talks about it. Here's a snippet in Psalms 139, 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise up, rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. King David knew that wherever he was, his waking up, his going to bed, God was there. Whatever season of life you're in, whether you're an empty nester, a new parent who can barely get any sleep, who's fighting for time to eat, whether you're a student studying, a single, a professional, all of these we know, whatever season you're in, There's never enough time. Something is always competing for your attention. Jesus' invitation to us to slow down, to be present, to let go of the agenda. That's his invitation. The challenge is to persevere through that. God's presence changes us whether we notice it or not. The work of Christ in our life is available into the degree that you consent and surrender yourself to his presence within you. Last thing, have faith in the good shepherd. Have faith in the good shepherd. Put your trust in the one who fights for you. Put your trust in the one who fights for you. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as they start and they lead us in in singing, um, the communion tables will be open. And we invite you to the table to remember Christ's body broken for you, his blood shed for you. But let me pray for us and pray a blessing over you. Good shepherd, Father God, I pray you would sense. I pray that our people would sense an invitation from you, the Good Shepherd, to slow down, to be present to trust and surrender all the things that are weighing our hearts and our minds down. May we remember that his body, his blood has been poured out and broken for us so that we can be made whole and experience the peace and the union with our Heavenly Father.